As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality, and that's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, among them several stand out for relief of occasional minor aches and pains of overexertion, ache action, joint UC, and D-flame. Ache action contains a formula exclusive to Protocol for Life Balance that studies show significantly reduces joint discomfort in as little as five days. Protocol's Joint UC is an undenatured type 2 collagen that has been clinically validated for its ability to help maintain healthy joints. And D-Flame has nine plant-based ingredients rooted in traditional herbalism. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to joint stress, flexibility, and mobility. They're available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. This is our weekly opportunity to answer questions that you send to us via radio program at AOL.com. I'm with Layla Mutin, who's our Nutritionist in Residence, uh, both of us uh, do podcasts, which are available at drhoffman.com. In addition to the one we do together, we have individual podcasts, uh, and you can follow us on social media, or you can go to drhoffman.com and subscribe to the podcasts, or subscribe via Stitcher, or your favorite uh, podcast dispenser app. app. Right, yeah. right. We've got an. We're on e- Spotify too. First, Sp- oh yeah. We, yeah. we haven't quit Spotify because of Joe Rogan. Do you think we should? No. No. Absolutely okay. not. Okay. <laughs> Go Joe Rogan. Anyway, this is from Bonnie. Hello, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. On a recent podcast, Layla mentioned that she gets concerned when cholesterol levels are below 160. I think she said there was research indicating this could increase cancer risk. That's right, Bonnie. I did say that. I think I've also heard that it's even more important for people over 65 to not have their cholesterol levels driven lower and lower with statins. Prime example, we just had a patient on the telephone, both of us. She's 67. She has... I was going to mention that. Her total cholesterol is what, 270? Mm -hmm. Her LDL is what, 186? She has zero Zero calcium score. On the other hand... Zero plaque. On the other hand... Her husband... Yes. ...has a cholesterol that's always been pretty low, you know, under 200. Yeah. Um, and he's an exerciser, and lo and behold, we checked him. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of plaque. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of different. Anyway, Bonnie says, my college roommate, we are both now 71, who's never had a cardiac event and only had cholesterol levels in the high 200s, was put on a statin by her doctor, and now her total cholesterol is down to 128. That's the magic number for cardiologists I keep seeing is 128, 127. <laughs> like and that. her LDL is 57. Right. So... That was like my numbers when I was macrobiotic vegan. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I ate no animal protein and no fat. Yeah. And, and your liver couldn't keep up making that very who knows? necessary... Because yeah. it works on... It operates yeah. on a negative feedback. I mean, I was like 30. Cholesterol. So, you know, I was... Yeah. You know. Well, there is that too. Yeah. There is that too. So... <clears throat> I'm wondering about, the, the, are there any studies showing the downsides of low cholesterol for people over 65 and or a reference for potential cancer risk? If so, she could print them out, go to the appointment, go to go fi- research the Framingham Heart Study. Mm-hmm. First of all, go to PubMed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D, PubMed.gov, 
put in there low cholesterol, cardiac risk, all of that kind of thing, or low cholesterol and cancer, mm -hmm. you will find reams of research. Right. Or Google dangers low LDL. Yeah, dangers of low LDL, dangers of low total cholesterol. But start first with the Framingham Heart Research. Okay. Go there because they first looked at total cholesterols of less than 200 mm -hmm. being a problem for brains right. and but for mood. I, I will say this, though. Yes. Uh, one must distinguish between a person who checks in who's not on a medication and has a low cholesterol, like an exceedingly low cholesterol. What's wrong with them? Why can't they manufacture cholesterol? Yes. And are they sick? What's going on? Do they have an infectious disease? You know, AIDS patients often have low, you know. Uh, mm. or, but uh, versus someone where you deliberately lower the cholesterol. Now, I don't think that the studies have been done that link artificial cholesterol lowering to the risk of cancer per se. True. I, but That's true. Yeah. It's early on because cancer t may take 20, 30, 40, 50 years to develop. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting. I mean, and you can't really do a study like uh, that lasts 10, 20, 40, 50 years. I mean, mm -hmm. some studies last a long time. But uh, to keep the people reporting to you and to follow them, that would be the, the ultimate studies. What are the really yeah. long-term effects? And then when it comes to dementia, there have been some studies that look at the uh, effects of cholesterol lowering in um, on dementia. And what happens is it doesn't seem to change the risk of dementia. And I'll tell you why. Uh, on the one hand, there may be an increase in dementia because cholesterol is in the brain. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you may prevent some dementia because you may slow the progression of atherosclerosis. Yes. So it may be a wash mm -hmm. where... It doesn't seem to make things worse, but for some people it does. Yeah. So well, some people it may be preventive. It may be preventive, but then we also have to factor in, we also have to consider that the use of statins also messes with our vitamin K metabolism. A lot of things. And, and, and our, our sex steroids. And, and yes, yeah. sex hormones, yeah. all that, because yeah. it's a substrate. Yeah. And it can cause diabetes, especially in women. Yep. Yeah. Which so, is, yeah. And that's Which, going to be more apt to happen the older we get because blood sugars tend to go right. higher and all of that. Bonnie, your friend's numbers are very low. For somebody who's never had a cardiac event and now has a total was, cholesterol of like 128, sounds like a mistake. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But that's doctors yeah. play, you know. That's what they do. Because, paint by numbers medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So now, and I'm seeing more and more, even on uh, laboratory tests, that the optimal is now 70 or below. Well, the optimal, you, for if, LDL. If you for have yes. uh, a distinct history of a cardiac event yeah. or high risk, yeah. they want your LDL to be you know, 70, 60, 50, 40. And they do have these, uh, we've discussed this, these PSK9 inhibitors. Peskies, yes. We call them peskies that lower uh, cholesterol so dramatically, mm -hmm. so dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, cholesterol to double digits and LDL to like <laughs> low double digits. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's an, an experiment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Bonnie, have your friend go get an EBT heart scan. Yeah. To, you know, if she's got a zero plaque, like this patient we just discussed, she probably doesn't need to be on a statin. She definitely doesn't need to be on a yeah. statin. Yeah. There we go. And, by the way, mm -hmm. we just, I think, last week discussed at the head of our uh, podcast a study that suggests that you use the calcium scanning to determine even if a person has high cholesterol, whether they're a good candidate for statins. It's yes. not automatically treat the cholesterol. Yeah. You want to look at the arteries before you pull the trigger on a cholesterol drug. Yeah. 
Yep. We've got we've got an email from Barbara. My husband will be receiving cyberknife radiation for, for his, prostate for his grade two prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. His urologist is Aaron Katz oh, in like, New York City. We like him very much. He's been a frequent guest on the program. Yes, and treatments will be given at the Perlmutter Perlmutter Cancer Center. Uh, and what is your opinion? About CyberKnife, are there any supplements you would recommend he take during this period? Well, hmm. uh, so there is a question. First of all, I think it's one of the techniques to deal with prostate cancer, and it's yeah, it's very precise, targeted. It doesn't uh, hit so much outside the tissue. So what the I, least amount of side effects. Right. What I recommend for uh, men who are getting radiation for prostate cancer is because, and women who get radiation for uterine cancer, which is in that same area, or ovarian cancer. Uh, is or cervical cancer sometimes mm. they get radiation in the pelvis is because the reproductive organs are very close to the uh, rectum mm-hmm. uh, you can get in- burning and inflammation from the radiation of an adjacent structure now that shouldn't happen with a very precise targeted radiation but it can happen yeah so the, the treatment of choice is to take L-glutamine mm. L-glutamine seems to have a protective effect yeah. Now, you might say, well, I'm taking radiation, so I need to take antioxidants. But that might vitiate the effectiveness of the radiation. So they yeah. don't want you to take antioxidants precisely for that reason at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can do is not take antioxidants, and then after the radiation, maybe start your antioxidants like N-acetylcysteine and or you know, E, yes. uh, C, you know, uh, mixed carotenoids and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's now discouraged to take a lot of antioxidants. Mm-hmm. There's also some evidence that taking melatonin may have a, a, a bit of an anti... Uh, uh, well, this is what we want, is we want to kill the cancer cells. We want to protect the normal cells. Yeah. So there may be some selective protection with melatonin, mm-hmm. it's thought. And melatonin is good for prostate cancer anyway. So, mm. And we dose kind of high. We go, you know, 20, 20 sometimes on, on prostate cancer. Yeah. So we've been pretty successful with patients with, you know, we don't treat prostate cancer naturally, but we do adjunctive treatment mm-hmm. during, after, uh, you know, the successful treatment yeah. to make sure it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not the time to take tons of antioxidants. You might take something for immunity like uh, Empower, AHCC. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Which is not going to interfere with the treatment. What do you think of lion's mane? For that. Lion's mane for uh, prevention of chemo-induced mm-hmm. chemo brain, yeah, or something like that, yeah. But yeah. lion's mane uh, or for chemo brain for chemo brain. Mm-hmm. There is there is a sort of a radiation brain, but for if it's yeah. localized, it's less of a problem. Yeah, uh, we've had a few cyber knife patients, mm-hmm. and I remember I think the worst side effect I've seen, but it was only temporary. One gentleman, he had some colitis Dior- for, for a yeah. period of yeah. a few weeks. He had right, some right. diarrhea, and then and that we resolved. Prevent that with glutamine, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were able to. He was able to resolve that. So, and otherwise, good results. Mm-hmm. Good results. So, Barbara, uh, best of luck to your husband. All right. It's amazing the the advancements uh, in medicine. So we have a question from Dan, and he's asking about weight gain. Is there any diet? You wrote an article about that. About weight gain? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did about how to weight gain weight after 
about of uh, oh, but he's concerned about weight gain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I'm going to get into it now. No, no, it's about weight gain. Is there any diet or supplement that can assist in losing weight after a hysterectomy late in life? Okay. My husband had a tumor removed, non-malignant, and the surgeon performed a hysterectomy as a preventive procedure. You just said my husband. My wife. I'm sorry. My wife had a tumor removed, non non malignant. No, because look, in this day and age, it's anything's possible. That's true. That's true. He might, and be, surgeon- might be trans. Because <laughs> I was thinking of Barbara's husband still. What are the pro- okay. what are pronouns? Yeah. <laughs> and the surgeon performed a hysterectomy as a preventive procedure at the same time. Okay. My wife has always been on the thin side, but she put on twenty pounds, and she's not eating any more than before. Maybe okay. it's just a process of aging. Well, here's the thing: I mean, any pet owner knows. That when a dog is spayed, which is the you know yeah, the the, 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 the uh, oophorectomy for yes. for, uh, for female spayed. animals, okay. that they get a little fat and sassy, you know, oh. like a raw rotund, and that's because hormones, um, the the hormonal cycle takes a lot of energy in the body, yeah. and yeah. you change the energy economy by knocking that out, and so if you eat the same and exercise the same, you will tend to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Thermodynamically, mm-hmm. and go. also, um, you know, there's a little bit of effect of estrogen and the other hormones on contouring the body and the distribution of fat to lean. Mm-hmm. So that's that could happen. I mean, it could be just aging, yeah. slowing down, yeah. but it could also be. It's pretty common in, after a, a oophorectomy to to gain weight. To gain weight, maybe after such a trauma like a hysterectomy. Maybe it's the antecedent for having a thyroid issue now or something. Yeah, I mean, well, com- that would be worth commonly getting checked they, out. they coexist, you know, just something. get everything checked. Get everything checked. Right. Otherwise, Dan, you know, talk to her about a low-carb diet or something. Yeah, that's a good thing that to do anyway. Okay. And exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the yeah. other thing that's interesting is this came out in a study that, uh, you know, a lot of times they say, you know, you got fibroids, but... You know, we'll give you a bonus. We'll no extra charge. We'll take out your ovaries because you don't need them. You know, you've completed your family, and uh, they still secrete tiny amounts of hormone right. even post menopause. They say you don't need, and besides, they're troublesome because you know you could get over ovarian cancer, and then it, you know it might be too late. It might be it's a very dangerous cancer. So we we'll take those out for you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, but now you know, should we take out your pancreas because you might get pancreatic well, cancer? What they've discovered is that. When they take out one ovary, and this is often, it often they can actually isolate. They can say, this ovary doesn't look good. It's like, mm, we got to check it out. Mm. But let's leave one, one normal one in, versus taking out both. Uh, there's a higher risk of dementia. There is not a higher risk when you leave one ovary in. It's that important for the brain in women. Wow. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's really so, something. Uh, so we really, I mean, there are times where you must have your ovaries taken out. Yes. But we we really want to be conservative about that. And if yeah. possible, leave one in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, you trade one risk for another very terrible problem, higher risk yeah. of dementia, like a 20% higher risk of dementia. That's not good. It's not. It's not. I can think of two cases where women had that happen, where they had the uterus removed, but while they were in there, we took out your ovaries, didn't need to, and one woman really complains a lot of, about brain fog after that. Right, right. A lot well, about brain then fog. They, then they could get some natural estrogen because mm. that's 
for some women, it's not a problem in menopause, but some women become exceedingly forgetful and sometimes depressed yeah, uh, at yeah. the time of menopause. And they re- they're really crying out for some estrogen replacement, mm. I'm, I'm, which I'm not for for every woman going through menopause. That's true. But some women just, just can't remember anything after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, Dan, we hope your wife feels better soon. Thank you for your question. Oh, we have a question about tilapia from Danny. Oh. Is this healthy to eat? Farm-raised? No. I don't think there's... I can't think of any natural tilapia. Wild-caught tilapia. There's got to be something in the ocean that's not farm-raised. I I don't know. Tilapia is a freshwater fish. Is it? But it's it's the worst fish because anybody with a backhoe and a water supply... Uh, and some fish pellets can grow tilapia. That's your farm-raised tilapia. That's your farm-raised tilapia. And some of it comes from China. So God knows what they're feeding. Oh, no, 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 no. Very scary fish. It's also, it's it's so bland Mm -hmm. that it lends itself to a lot of flavoring. So they tend to put a lot of... It's like the tofu of fish. They put, yeah, they put a lot of stuff in with tilapia. Yeah. So it, you... You know, it's not. It, its concentration of omega threes is exceedingly low. Oh, if if any, yeah, and not farm raised, there and won't be any. Never have tilapia. Yeah, yeah. Tilapia, farm raised tilapia is probably probably has the nutritional equivalent of a donut. Yeah, thank That's you. That's about it. Thank you. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. The fish feed is horrible. Yeah, and it's just tilapia and catfish in that order are right. terrible right. nutritional eat a donut instead no don't eat the donut but don't eat this and stuff the, plus they're the don't catfish are ca- wild caught they're bottom feeders mm. they can grow in exceedingly polluted environments and they bioaccumulate yeah. a lot of toxins so catfish yeah. not great well you know what I'm not going to stop eating clams or oysters and those but, are bottom feeders but they, too. Cu- they don't harvest them out of the Mississippi River that's true you know that's true um, yeah. yeah I'm talking yeah so I tried the salmon from the Faroe Islands, which is, you know, oh, Denmark in the northern way Atlantic. Way the heck up there. Way the yeah, heck up yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Because I decided, uh, yeah, I see this organic salmon there, but at 19 and change a pound, I said, yeah, that's a little too rich for my blood. Mm-hmm. So I went with this Faroe Island salmon. I made it the other day. It's delicious. Oh, good. It's very delicious. So it was it's packed it, well. It was a vacuum pack, fresh, yeah, not frozen. Oh, good. There was no stink to it. There was no fishy smell. Otherwise, it so was going in the garbage. Yeah, That's my correct. tell. Yeah. yeah, and certainly everybody listening, if your seafood ever smells anything resembling ammonia yeah. in the trash, it goes. Done. It's bad. Yes. Forget it. Yeah, your fish should not taste fishy. It mm-hmm. should smell like nothing mm-hmm. or the ocean. Right. Period. Right. End of right. story. Right. Pretty much. But yeah, tilapia is not something to. Uh, eat Danny and it's always the favored seafood in the grocery store there's always tons of tilapia right being sold right so the farm raising of that is really uh and anything coming from uh, a farm raised outfit particularly in China the seafood farming there's so much fish put together yeah. that and so many antibiotics that need to be thrown they in it's the equivalent of sewer water that <laughs> yeah. they're raising the yeah. fish in yes yes you know it almost uh, you almost want to compare it to pre-sanitation times in New York City. Yeah, it's really. I'm reading about that. It's so interesting. That's what it reminded me. Yeah, of. I, yeah. I'm reading a book, um, which you know I can get the title for you, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's about New York City. And and one of the problems with New York City was the water. They mm. did not. They actually had these ponds in New York City, 
But what they ended up doing is throwing all their garbage into the ponds and mucking them up. And then they said, well, just as well, because we can cover up the ponds and we can sell the real estate because it's a small island and, you know, real estate was uh, valuable. Uh So there were streams and canals and ponds and they filled them all up with garbage. But people were still pulling their water out of wells and there was all this waste that was going down into the wells. And finally, around 18... 40, they got the Croton Reservoir, which is from bringing water from Westchester, yes. which is a huge public works thing. <clears throat> they, they actually, where the public library is on 42nd Street, was a retaining uh, a, a collection reservoir, mm-hmm. which then supplied the city. But the other thing that was happening is it was the city was burning up. There were so many fires, and they would have to get oh. you know bucket brigades and pumps from the rivers, and they couldn't couldn't put out these horrible fires. Mm. So finally, the, having a water supply, eventually having pipes and, and hydrants, they began to solve that. And also the, the, the cholera epidemics that occurred. Oh, yeah. Cholera killed thousands of yeah. New Yorkers because the water was horrible. Yeah. And what they did instead was they drank, they drank booze. It was safer. Mm-hmm. It was like... Benjamin Franklin and those, you know, <laughs> get up in the morning and have a beer. Yeah. Well, the farmers would have beer. Yeah. And it was, it was cleaner than water. And yes. the alcohol was a disinfectant, <laughs> you know. Better than the chlorine. I'll get you the name of the book that I'm yeah. reading, but go ahead, read the yeah, next yeah. question. Uh, oh, well, okay. So tilapia. Okay. The book I'm reading is called, yes. it's, it's not for the faint of heart because it's a very long book. I've been reading and reading and reading. I'm only yeah. about a third through. It's called Manhattan Phoenix by Daniel Levy, I think, is the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Manhattan Phoenix. But it's a it's a great history of New York City. It's, it's so scholarly and well researched. But it, it you know if you think things are bad now, yeah. You were talking about pollution. It was like smoke and and horse manure. Yes. And uh, you know mercury and yeah. you know like horrible stuff. Well, now coming back, going back to IHS where we started with uh, in part one. Going back to the water talk, the, the water lecture, yeah. you know, now, yes, there's still runoff, there's still mercury, but now we've got all these pesticides and herbicides and the glyphosate, and all of this is yeah. in, in the soil, in the aquifer, right. the uptick in Parkinson's disease, the uptick in ALS. She covered all of that kind of thing. Well, and you- that's why, and even I got a notice from New York City Water Department saying, there's a little more of this byproduct from all the chlorine we have to use to clean the water, and it may cause cancer in rodents. These are some studies, but it doesn't mean it will cause cancer in humans. However, wow, everybody needs to filter their water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting <clears throat> in the book is, you know, talk about shellfish, is they used to have enormous oyster beds right off of Manhattan, off of Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, like now where there's the Brett's hot dog stands around Manhattan, they were oyster stands. You know, you could buy oysters. And the wow. oysters, they say, were the size of a lady's hand. Wow. Almost, now now you pay like, you know, 20 bucks for like a half a dozen oysters. Exactly. Which are like barely... Two or three bucks a piece or something. Yeah, they're oh like little tiny, you know, yeah. oysters. Yeah. But they had enormous oyster beds and uh, they had mm-hmm. lobsters that were jungundo, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, there was a... We had a natural habitat here in we New did. York. That was extremely rich, and the fish yeah. in the in the Hudson were, were abounded. Yeah, uh, in the clean waters before 
we polluted it. Now, there was some cleanup in recent years. It's gotten better. The Hudson, the East River, because I noticed when they started building up Long Island City, near to where I live, mm-hmm. they've got all the piers and right. everything. There were a lot more fishermen. They also let people swim you know, oh. in the triathlon. Oh, yeah. I never made it to because that year I broke my leg. I was signed up for the New York yeah. triathlon. But, um, you know... The, Swimming in the, the Hudson. You, you jump in the, in the Hudson, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's to see all these, these people jumping in the Hudson and swimming. Um, and it, that, but they have to improve the water quality. But after big rain, they've canceled the swim portion of the race occasionally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in fact, I, I spoke to a guy in the Because there's more gym. bacteria after rain. I was, I was chatting with a guy in, in the gym. In any body water, yeah. He, you know, I said, how would you, I see you have a triathlon cap on. He was swimming at the pool. And he said, yeah, this year they didn't have the water uh, part. They just had the, the bike and the run. And the run. Because mm-hmm. it had just rained. And the, the coliform count, which is basically a measure of waste in mm-hmm. the water, was too high. So they didn't let yeah. people... Because, you, you know, variably you, you slurp a little water, swallow a little, and it could give you gastritis. Oh, my. Yeah. So it wasn't a triathlon. It was a biathlon. It was a biathlon. For that. Right, right. <laughs> And okay. sometimes it's, you know, the races, the, the run part is canceled because it's 98 degrees or something. You know, you don't want to right. do that. So that they swim and you bike and it, you're done. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, do we have time for a quick question? This is not a quick one. This no. is about a brand new oil, which is very exciting okay. uh, that we'll get into next, next week. week. Yeah. Yeah. We've well, got some good questions. But we love your questions, so do keep them coming. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't heard your question this week, uh, we'll probably address it uh, next week or soon thereafter. Yep. Uh, it's a way to get us to weigh in on your concerns. Uh, comments always welcome. We'd like to hear from you. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Thank you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Us. Hoffman. And this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212 212- 779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.